me to say something about the series uh, before I start uh, looking at the scripture that I want to look at this morning. Reimagining church is, we are doing the series for this reason, is what is, we're asking ourselves the question, what is church supposed to be like? And the reason we're asking that question, because over 2,000 years, you and I, all of us here this morning know that things have changed. Things have crept in that were not really meant to be part of church, but they've crept in somehow. They've been allowed in somehow. And fundamentally, at the end of the day, there might be some really nice-sounding ideas, but we've got to ask ourselves the question, is this what God intended His church to be like? So that's a little bit of us reimagining church. is isn't just to get a new idea of church. It's to go back to God's model of church. And I want to say that this morning. Our goal is we've got to be the church God intended us to be, not a new invention of the church. Okay, so that's quite important. So, so what I want to focus on this mo- what I want to focus on this morning is how the message of the church has got corrupted over the years. And the message of the church, they had a good word for it, it's the word gospel. And you, we all know this morning, the gospel along the way has been impacted. The message of the church has been added to, it's been watered down, it's been subtracted from. And whenever you influence and impact the message of the church, we're in grave danger. And so, when Paul, um, uh, on his missionary journeys, began to see what was happening in some of the churches that he'd planted, we call that... How many of you have read or heard of Galatians? Paul's letter to Galatians. All right. So Galatians wasn't a church. It was a group of churches. All right. It was in the southern part of Galatia. And they were some of the first churches that Paul plants on his missionary journey. So it's the church you may have heard of Antioch. There's some that you may not have heard of. Iconium, Lystra, Derby. These are some of the early churches Uh, that Paul planted. And he went there, he he went among the Gentiles, he went among the people there, he preached the gospel, people got saved, and the church was formed in those different cities. And then he discovers that something is going on that is deeply concerning. And probably, if I have to say to you, of all of the letters Paul has written, the Galatian letter is the one where he's the most tense about everything that he's, he's ever been. And, uh, and, 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 and what's happening over here is that he sees that there's religious people. They've come from Jerusalem. The Bible tells us they've come from James. Now, James was heading up the church in Jerusalem. In other words, they've kind of come from head office. These are the guys come from the mother church. And, and they start to, to preach a different message to the one that, that Paul has been preaching. And immediately Paul recognizes the danger of of what was happening. And, and, I, and I want to put it to you like this. All that they were doing was adding to what Paul had originally taught them. That's all they were doing. Didn't sound very radical. Didn't sound very serious. Uh, but they were simply going to these churches and they were saying, hang on a minute, you know, Paul has taught you this message, but, but we want to just share with you, he's missed a little bit. There's a little bit we want to, we want to add to that. And what they were saying was that the gospel... And hear this, the gospel is believing in Jesus plus adding 
the Old Testament laws do that as well. The ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, there were 613 of them, by the way. And what he was saying to them, he was saying to them, the gospel that Paul preached is great. It's about believing in Jesus. But you need to add to that these Old Testament laws. Because they are equally important to the message that Paul was preaching. And you know, I realized, when I began to think about this message, I thought, uh, is that still such a big deal in the church today? Do you know what? It, it's actually a massive issue in the church today. There, there are people in churches who really believe they are Christians because they go to church. I, I'm, I've been a pastor for a long time now. You know what the first thing is people say to me when they discover I'm a pastor? They tell me which church they go to. Don't tell me they're Christian or they believe or unbeliever. They say, you know, that's the church I go to. Why has this become such a big issue for us? Now, I'm not saying going to church is not important. But when your salvation's based on the fact you go to church, we're missing something along the line. People say they're Christians because they don't do terrible things like other people. People say that they're Christians because they come from a Christian family. How many of you have heard somebody say, I was born a Christian? Anybody ever heard that? I've heard a lot of people say that. I, I, I never became a Christian. I was born a Christian. Let me just say this to you. It's impossible to be born a Christian. You can be born again as a Christian, but you can't be born a Christian. Your parents can be close to angelic. You're still not a Christian when you're born in that family. And, and I guess that I'm quite passionate about this because this whole issue because I was super confident I was a Christian at one stage in my life because I went to church more than most people. I had good Christian friends. I was involved in the church. My parents were in good standing in the church. And so I was confident I was a Christian. I wasn't a bad person. I wasn't doing terrible things. If you had a look at my life outwardly, you said, John is a good Christian. And here's the danger, I believe, what the church is facing at the moment. What we believe is being undermined. What we believe is being added to. What we believe is being diluted and watered down. And I'll tell you how that's happening. People are saying, it doesn't really matter what you believe. Have you heard people saying, don't let you what you believe divide us? Everything that people are beginning to say is like, we must be united, we must be together, we must be standing together. Let's just water down what we believe, if that's the goal. Friends, the goal of church is never to water down what you believe so that you can be united. The goal of church is to believe what Jesus said is the truth. That's the key thing. And, and I want to land on that quite strongly this morning because what we, what's happening to us, we are living in a culture at the moment where people are saying it doesn't matter what you believe. Every person, whatever they choose to believe, has validity. It's okay for somebody to believe that. And it's okay for somebody to believe that. And it's okay for me to believe that. We all need to respect what we believe, which says it doesn't matter what you believe. It's all important. Now, in Galatians chapter 1, 
Paul addresses this issue, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses uh, from verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ, and you are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So what he's saying is this, the moment you alter the message, it ceases to be the message. It doesn't matter even if it sounds religious. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, and they're trying to pervert. The word pervert means to change something to what it, what it wasn't originally. That's what that word means. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on to say, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. This is what he's saying. He says, listen guys, even if a big angel came and stood in front of you, and this angel said to you, I have come directly from God, and this is the new word from God, that is rubbish. Paul is saying, even if somebody should call themselves an apostle, there are people calling themselves apostles at the moment. In fact, the new deal is to call yourself an apostle. I don't know if you've noticed. I've noticed somebody used to be pastor, then they became prophet, but now they're apostle. And, and they come with, I've got this word from God and I am the apostle. Paul is saying, even if somebody like me who's an apostle should say something like this, and then he goes on to say something quite harsh, let them be cursed. Like, that's quite strong words from a godly man like Paul, I think. Anyway, so what I want to touch on firstly this morning is that the good news is that what we believe is what makes us right with God. Not what you do. But what you believe is what makes us right with God. And, and, and what we must understand is that Paul was one of those people who was more religious, more upstanding than almost anybody we would have ever met and we've ever met in our community. He came from the right family. He was trained by the best religious leaders in the day. He'd been sold out. He was passionate for what he believed. And he'd even been able to, and I always find this really hard, he said, he, I was even able to obey all of the 613 ceremonial laws that the Jews had. I don't know how in the world he got that right, but that's his claim. Listen to this. He says, if anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. He would have been one of those guys, you would have said, this is a wonderful Christian. This is a person who knows the Lord. I want you to hear me this morning. What Paul is saying to these Galatians is this. What those people are saying to you is jeopardizing your salvation. That's hectic stuff. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. 
Folks, we are not saved by good works plus believing in Jesus. You are saved by believing in Jesus. Full stop. Are you okay with it? You are saved by believing what Jesus has done on the cross. Full stop. Now, why am, I, why am I raising this as such a big issue? Because you know what I've discovered about myself and so many Christians? When we're speaking to people who are not believers, how often isn't our goal for them to get their lives right with God? To sort out the problems in their lives. Friends, that's not our business. Our business is to share the gospel with them. Not to help them get their lives right. It's God's business to get their lives right. And, and you know, to me this is such a subtle thing because I've got caught up in this trap because people say to me, John, does this mean if I become a Christian? And the answer to that question is, receive Jesus and trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior and watch what happens. You see, the gospel is God's power to save people. And it's about what we believe. Did Jesus die? Has Jesus risen? Has Jesus ascended to heaven? Does Jesus change our lives? Yes, He does. That's the gospel. That's the end of the story. Now, it's interesting what Paul says over here. He's, and listen to this. In, in chapter 3, verse 2 to 5, he said, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by obeying the law or by believing what you heard? In other words, when you believe the message of the gospel, you receive the Holy Spirit just because you believed. You don't have to do another thing except believe in your heart the gospel. Do you know that God does miracles because we believe the gospel? Now, I, that's quite a hurdle for a lot of people because we all got this but, 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 but that's going to come after that. Now, there is a warning, I think, for every one of us in what Paul is touching on over here because our danger is going back to believing in Jesus plus good works. That's the danger. Paul says in chapter 3, Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by believing the law or by believing what you heard? Remember these early believers they had received the Holy Spirit because they believed. They'd seen God doing signs, wonders, and miracles because they'd believed the gospel. And that started to go south when very religious people started to tell them there's something more that's necessary. And I've realized there are reasons we doubt this. And I want to share some of them because it may help you this morning. The first reason that we struggle to believe the gospel is the answer 
is because there is an enemy who's constantly trying to undermine what we believe. Do you remember the very first thing that happened to Jesus after he's baptized? He's taken into the wilderness. And the very first thing that he hears from the enemy in the wilderness is this. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Now, I want you to understand what's happening over here. Because people have missed this. What the enemy is saying to Jesus, he's just been baptized. There's a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And the devil comes to him and says, if you, the son of God. And Jesus responds by saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is what he's saying. What God has spoken over my life, you are calling into doubt. In fact, you're asking me to do a miracle to prove that what God said is true. And he says, I will never do that. Because what God has said, God has said. And guys, I've discovered there are so many Christians living with guilt today. There are Christians living with condemnation today. There are Christians feeling so unworthy today. Friends, the gospel says he paid the price. Let's believe that. And when, when the enemy does come, I want to guarantee you he's going to come. When he comes, please go back to the gospel. That's it. Jesus didn't debate with the devil. He just said it's written. Please don't debate the, with the devil. It usually happens in our thought lives. That's where it all goes down. You just say that's what's written. If you need to, speak it out. That's one of the reasons I think we struggle to just accept this fact. It's what we believe that makes us right with God. Another one of those Reasons is, <laughs> excuse me saying this, but I think most of us don't really believe we're as bad as what the Bible says we are. <laughs> Do you know that's what our culture holds to? Our culture says this. We have our faults, but inherently we are good people. And so you know what's happening all the time? We've changed what people are doing from sin to mistakes. Or this is a condition you have. Guys, when you call sin by another name, what you're fundamentally saying is people are not really as bad as the Bible says we are. The Bible says all of us have sinned. We fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. I heard, I heard a good example. I've got to share this with you. Maybe I won't ask you to put your hand up for this. Some of you here have received a traffic fine for a traffic violation. No, no, no. Now, I don't, I, this happened to me, so I'll... I'll I'll confess. I was driving from here. We were going to a conference. I was 
with a buddy and we were talking on the, in the car, didn't see the de-restriction, next minute the traffic cop jumps out there, he's like, pulls me over and he says, you're speeding. I said, I wasn't speeding, I was my speed controller. <laughs> he said, that doesn't matter, you're still speeding. <laughs> and now imagine, here I'm standing with a traffic cop and I said, but you know what? It's like, all of the rest of the speed limits I obeyed, all the way up to this point. I've stopped at all the stop streets. I've, I've obeyed all of the laws. Can't you just let me off? Why won't he let me off? Because I broke the law. You see, you can say, well, I've obeyed all of the laws, and surely that, that, that puts me in good standing. He says, no, but you've just broken this one. You see, that's what we do with God. Well, yeah, I'm not such a bad person. I've done this, and I've done this, and God said, but what about that? Well, Lord, what about all the good things I've done? Friends, if you broke the law, you broke it. In fact, the Bible, it, it, it says something quite radical. It's even our good works are not really pleasant in the sight of the Lord. It calls it filthy rags. It's quite a radical statement. But you see, until we can get to the place, until I can get to the place where I say, I'm an absolute sinner and I've fallen short of God's standards, I'm actually saying, I'm not really as bad as the Bible says I. It makes sense to you. What about the subtle belief that good people will go to heaven one day? <laughs> Every time I go to a funeral, I have this conversation with people. Well, you know, they didn't. They, you know, they didn't accept Christ, but they've lived a really good... Surely that, John, that must count for something. The answer is it counts for nothing. That's Paul's point, not mine. Paul is the guy saying, as for legalistic righteousness, I've done it all. Have you heard it said that a God of love would never send people to hell. Have you ever heard a religious leader say that? Deep down, people believe that the good things we do will count for something before God. Paul is saying, the gospel plus good works doesn't work. In chapter 2, he tells us, even Peter and Barnabas were led astray. Those were serious Christian leaders in the church. You know, whenever God is at work amongst us by the Holy Spirit, people start to acknowledge all of the things that I'm talking about. After the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, and there's the speaking in tongues, and people start to ask the question, what's going on? Peter stands up, and he begins to say to them, guys, you were responsible for crucifying Christ. You're responsible for crucifying the Son of God. You're the ones that are putting to death. You guys have done what's wrong. And suddenly the very people that had been anti-God stop him and say, 
What must we do? Because the Bible says they were convicted. They started to believe. They started to believe they were responsible. You see, the gospel message is this. Jesus died for the sins of the world. Jesus died in the place of the sinners of this world. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has paid the price. And when I believe that, I am saved. Stat. Our message is not believe in Jesus plus good works makes you saved. Our message is this. Believe in Jesus and you'll get saved and good works will follow. But I want us just to maybe wrap this up with something that is... And it just struck me really forcibly again. And that is, for some reason, there are those who believe that the gospel is only important for salvation when in fact it's central to everything we do. Paul's response to these false teachers is based on the fact that what we believe about the gospel affects everything we do. I'm going to put it to you like this. I share my faith with people not because I have to, but because I believe the gospel. I'm at church here this morning not because I'm the pastor. I'm at church because of the gospel. I serve in the church not because somebody told me I better. I serve because of the gospel. I'm part of a life group because of the gospel. I'm trying to live a godly life because of the gospel. Because that's how you know the gospel's impacted your life. And the gospel affects everything we do. Let me show you. Do you know that it's the gospel that exposes the emptiness of religion and a religious spirit that's keeping so many people from God? Paul says in chapter 2, chapter 3, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Religion doesn't save the gospel saves. Do you know that the gospel reconciles people to one another and it deals with the deep division that we've got in our society today? Do you know that? Do you believe that? Did you remember what happened to, to, to Peter and Barnabas? And, and I want to explain this to you because it, it will help you to understand that. What had happened? Peter had come and he was down there in Galatia, and he was eating, and to us that means very little, eating meals with the Gentiles. Until this crowd from Jerusalem arrive, and suddenly Peter says, there's no ways I'm going to eat with you guys anymore. I'm only going to eat with the, the guys that have come from Jerusalem. And this is why. Because for a Jew to eat with a Gentile made you unclean. See, there were Jewish laws that said if you hung out with people like that who were unclean people, you would be unclean because they are unclean. So you don't eat with them, you separate yourself from them. 
And here was the guy that had got saved by the gospel. Peter believed the gospel. He's happy to hang out with them. But now suddenly here's this, no, but you know, it's, it's the gospel plus obeying all of these, these laws. So Peter says, I'm not going to eat with them because I'm going to become unclean. And racism got back in the church. Listen to this verse. You're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Friends, I don't care what background you come from. When you're in Christ, you're part of a new family. The gospel does that. There is neither slave nor free. Male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Friends, do you see that the gospel is what brings us together again? It's the truth of the gospel that reconciles people. The gospel is the answer to the guilt and anxiety that so many people in our culture are trying to deal with. The Bible says you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know there's a supernatural peace that comes when you write with God? And the world knows nothing about it. So they're trying everything that they can to have peace in their hearts and all that's following is trouble. You know, the gospel is the answer to the huge identity crisis that people are struggling with. The answer to our identity crisis isn't you choose your gender. The answer to the identity of, that we are facing in this world is what has God said about you and who are you? You see why Paul is making such a big deal? Of the gospel he preached. Not just because it's the way of salvation. But it's the center of everything we do. And here's something you can that will help you. Ask yourself simply, why do I do what I do? Because at the core of what we do, what we do, is what we believe. What we believe. And to rectify some of those things, we have to go back and say, what have I believed that I shouldn't have believed that's causing things to go wrong? I believe the Christian message or the gospel is under attack at the moment. I believe it's being watered down. I'm going to ask Brad to share just a testimony a minute. But it's interesting to notice what happens, that people often want God's help when what they need is to be saved. You hear the difference? People say, well, I've got, I've got huge trouble in my life. Can you pray for me? I need God's help. 
Friends, you don't need God's help. You need to be saved by the gospel. And I'm afraid to say that sometimes we offer them God's help, but we don't give them the gospel. part of my, the burden that I carry at the moment, just as a, as a Christian leader, is it's great to do good things for people, but if we're not sharing the gospel with them, it doesn't matter how much their life improves, they're still going to a Christless eternity at the end of the day. So Brad, come and just share with us quickly what happened the other day at your, I think it was after soccer, was it? So. So some of you will remember when I was here two weeks ago and I told you about the opportunity that I had to, to speak with a guy. Um, so after a hockey match, we went down to the clubhouse and, um, and this guy was... Uh, it used to be a part of our team when our team was a part of that club and we broke away from that club. And anyway, as I walked into, walked into the clubhouse, he came up to me and he said, Brad, I need to talk to you. And, um, and he said, you know, my, my life is, is really bad. He used some other language. <laughs> it is not it's in fun. a well way. And I, like, I, I, ju- I need some help. I need some help. And so we set up... A time to get together, and uh, and I I want to protect his identity because I'm trusting and hoping that he will plug in and become a part of our church at some point. Um, but he said there, there was there were some clear habitual issues in his life that were real problems. There were there were practices that he was a part of that were causing real challenges and problems in his life. And he said, "Brad, this thing has put me in, into the bottom of a hole." Um, he had he'd been in a failed relationship that had ended five years earlier and he started a downward spiral that had brought him to what he described as rock bottom and he he said to me Brad I just I, I recognize that that I need God's help and and I, I kind of know who you are um, and I know that you're a pastor and I you know I wanted to chat to you um, and I had this other person and and she had she prayed for me like a friend a Christian friend whose sister had prayed for him uh, and I really appreciated that but but nothing changed you know, and everything was still the same. So we got together and we, and we chatted. And, and in my office, we, we were sitting there and we were just speaking. And, and I could just, every time there was a desire in his heart to find God, but every time we got close to taking that step, and I would say to him, you know what, actually what needs to happen now is that you actually need to, you need to give your life over to the Lord. Then, then there would be something that would distract us. And so it took us about 40 minutes to get back to that point. It happened about five times. And eventually we got back to that point. I said, I'm not going to pray for you. Because he had said to me, please, won't you, won't you just pray for me? I, like, I said to him, I can't pray for you in this thing. Because this is, as John said, it's not about God fixing your life 
for you. It's about recognizing that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is real, that he really is God, that he does live, that he is Lord and deserves your worship. That's what this is about. And if you think you need God's help, what you first need is to recognize who he is and to honor him for that, in that. And so we came to this place and, and eventually we got there and I wrote down a little piece of paper of like the four basic parts of what it means to, to choose to follow Jesus and to give your life over to him. And, uh, and so firstly, I kind of spoke them out and I was like, no, no, like internal, I process them and, and say them with your own words. And so closed our eyes and he, we held hands and he prayed through these things and he just spoke out to the Lord and he invited Jesus to become the Lord of his life. And, uh, and he opened his eyes and the clouds had kind of come over the sun and so there was a shadow and he, he said, Brad, did you feel what just happened? I said, well, you know, it got dark because, you know, the sun. He's like, and, then, and then the clouds moved away and light came in and he's like, Brad, I feel like all of my stuff is just gone. And it's like, I, I, I don't know, I feel so strange. I feel so weird because I just want to smile. I haven't felt like this in five years. I'm actually just happy. And I, I, that's so weird for me. And God came in and impacted his life in an incredibly real way. And that was a huge blessing to me. But it was a recognition and a realization of why we are here and what God wants to do through the power of the gospel. Yeah. It had nothing to do with me. I, I didn't pray for him that God would fix his problems. You know, and he said to me, he was, his plan was, I was gonna, he was going to come and chat to me, and then afterwards, he was going to go and continue in the habit that he had that had led him into the hole, because that's all he knew. And he's like, but I don't, I'm just going to go home. I, I'm actually just going to go home. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that anymore. And God had done something far beyond what I could do, and that was amazing. Amen. All right. That makes sense. And, and I mean... Let me say what I said at the beginning, then, we can, then we'll finish with that. Your job is not to try and change people's lives. Your, God, your job and my job is to lead people to Jesus. It's his business to change their life. And be careful of that. Be, be careful of trying to help people get their life right when what they need is Christ in their life. And they need the gospel because in the gospel they get saved. In the gospel they get delivered. In the gospel they get set free. In the gospel the power of sin is broken. In the, because of the gospel they receive the Holy Spirit. Because of the gospel Jesus is going to do miracles in their lives. And it's simply what they need to believe. It's what you need to believe. Let's pray. Now, before I pray, I'm just going to ask this morning whether, now for somebody who's been here today, this might have made sense for you and, and God might have been revealing to you for a long time you've been holding on to something other than the gospel in your own life. And... Uh, and if, if that's what God has been doing and that's what the Spirit's been doing, that is like amazing. But it does lead you to the place where you're saying, well, actually I want, I want to receive the Lord by faith. I want to believe in Jesus. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord in your heart, believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Bible says repent and be baptized and you'll receive 
the forgiveness of your sins. It's, that's just believing in Jesus. <laughs> it's because Jesus is the answer. Now, if there's anybody here this morning, and there may well be, you've been like me, you were sitting in the church for like a long time believing the wrong stuff about Christianity. And you're saying this morning, John, I just want to surrender my life to Christ to believe the gospel, to believe in the crucifixion, the resurrection, that Jesus died, rose again for me. He died. I died with him. He's died in my place. He's paid the price for my sin. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. If there's somebody like that here this morning, please do me a favor and stick up your hand and say, John, that's me. That's where I'm at. There's anybody, and there may be somebody, and God has been at work in your life. Now, Father, I want to pray this morning for all of us that we may be gripped by the fact that the gospel is the good news by which we get saved. Lord, that the gospel is not just the entrance into a new life. The gospel is the new life. Father, I pray that the message of the gospel would impact our own lives. And Lord, it would impact the lives of other people. Lord, it would become a transforming power within us. Because it is the power of God to save people. And Father, I pray that. I pray for, Lord, those voices that we sometimes embrace. I pray, Lord, for the people that we listen to, that we'll be on our guard. Lord, for the messages that we will hear that are other than the gospel, I pray, Lord, help us to be alert to that stuff. So, Lord, we will know with an assurance. Like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of of God to save people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.